Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the August 17th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. If you missed the last two episodes, please make it your business to listen to both. And let me tell you where you can find those. The first episode that I'm referring to is with retired educator Ann Knighton, and it is called I Live with Disability Every Day. The next episode is called Caring for Special People, and my guest for that one was Ron Wakefield of the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Both of them offer perspective, Ms. Knighton as a parent of a child with developmental and intellectual disabilities, and Mr. Wakefield as a service provider who is paid through our tax dollars to care for the people with the most intense needs. You can find both of those episodes on my website. I have a local matters tab. The web address is janisallenjackson.weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Or you just Google Janice Allen Jackson and Associates and that website will come up for you. Go up to the top left corner where there's a menu, look for the Local Matters tab and you can find any episode of Local Matters that I've done there. More recently, we have created a Local Matters of Georgia Facebook page. And if you are on Facebook, please go to the Local Matters Facebook page, like and follow us so that you will be notified when new episodes of Local Matters drop. Also there, you can share those episodes with those in your networks who may benefit from the information that we are providing. Also, if you are an old pro with podcasting, uh, the podcast version of Local Matters, which is the exact same content as the radio version, uh, you can just find it anytime, anywhere, uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, which is to say that if you are driving, if you are on a walk, um, cleaning house, doing whatever it is that you're doing, you can listen to those episodes on demand. Uh, the beauty of a podcast is while everyone may not be in place on Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 to listen to a radio show, uh, you can listen to that podcast just using your phone or your computer uh, and pull up any episode of Local Matters there as well. Today, uh, we're going to continue our discussion about services provided by the state of Georgia to people with special needs Obviously, the episode with Ms. Knighton, as well as the episode with Mr. Wakefield, focused on intellectual and developmental disabilities. Today, we're going to focus on the other part of the mission of the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, and that is the first part, the BH or behavioral health. Um, Georgia has a population of approximately 10.1 million residents, making it the eighth most populated state in the nation. 
It is estimated that there are over 100,000 Georgians who have some form of developmental disability, which is to say those are the disabilities that happened when they were young people. Uh, intellectual disabilities uh, and developmental disabilities are uh, diagnosed with before the individuals are either 18 or 22 years of age. Uh, so that's why they're called developmental. It's when the person is still in his or her developmental stages. However, um, there are other people who have disabilities that happen after they uh, reach adulthood, and those are not considered developmental disabilities. There are an estimated 360,000 adults in Georgia who live with serious mental health conditions such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and major depression. Georgia ranks 48th out of the 50 states for access to mental health care, resources, and insurance. In Georgia, an individual with serious mental illness has a one in five chance of ending up in prison instead of a hospital. And also in Georgia, two in five children have trouble accessing the mental health treatment that they need. Today, our guest is Dawn Peel. She is Director of Crisis Coordination for the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. And she is going to talk to us about what to do when someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis. Local Matters family, uh, we continue our discussion today with another representative of the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Uh, last week, of course, we had Mr. Ron Wakefield, who is a division director over intellectual and developmental disabilities. This time, we have someone from the behavioral health side, and she is Ms. Don Peel. She is the director of the Office of Crisis Coordination for that state department. How are you doing today, Don? I'm good. How are you, Ms. Jackson? I am great. Thanks so much for joining the Local Matters family today. Um, if we could start off by you just giving us a little background, I'd like for our uh, listeners to connect to our guests a little. If you could tell them some about your role in the department, how long you've been with the department, um, please go ahead and do that. Thank you. So. Um, Again, uh, I'm the director for the Office of Crisis Coordination. Um, I am new in my role in this, in this office, but I've been with the department for almost 11 years. Um, prior to being the director of the Office of Crisis Coordination, I was the Behavioral Health Regional Services Administrator um, in the Region 2 field office, which is actually located in Augusta. Um, and that's where my home is as well. So I'm happy to be with you all today. Um, just for a little bit of background information, I'm a licensed clinician and I've been in the field for over 26 years. Okay, excellent, excellent. And when you say a licensed clinician, are you a licensed clinical social worker or is it one of the other designations? I'm a licensed professional counselor. Okay, an LPC, okay, all right, great, wonderful. Um, 
And uh, our main topic today is the new 988 hotline um, system that I think just went into effect in July. If you could just sort of describe what that is and when people should consider dialing 988, that would be a great way for us to get started. Thank you. So 988 is a easy to remember three-digit number that, as you mentioned, went live in July of this year. Um, it's available nationwide, and it's available for people that are experiencing suicidal thoughts, emotional distress, mental health challenges, or uh, substance use crisis. And we, we're really pleased that it's an easy way for people to reach out and get the assistance they need when they're having a, a crisis situation. Um, in terms of when people should call it, any of the different circumstances that I just described, you know, if a person is feeling suicidal, if they're experiencing behavioral health or substance use crises or emotional distress, that's a great time to use 988. Another thing though, that sometimes people don't think about is a family member or a concerned person in the, the individual's life that might call on their behalf using 988 to get information or assistance for that person. Okay. And as you mentioned, it is a nationwide system. Uh, I have seen articles about that in national publications. Um, just how did this come about? And um, also, has the state of Georgia ever had anything similar before? Or is this brand new for us? So 988 came about at the federal level. It was a, a federal law that was passed in 2020 and with wide bipartisan support. So what they realized is that people um, for years have needed a way to reach out when they're experiencing behavioral health crises, but oftentimes didn't know how to do that. Um, and so the law had several portions, but one of them was to designate this three-digit number um, that was available nationwide starting in July 16th. Um, in terms of Georgia, we've been very fortunate for a number of years to have the Georgia Crisis and Access Line available. Um, the Georgia Crisis and Access Line is available 24-7, 365, just like 98 is, and it's available for people to reach out if they're experiencing a behavioral health crisis, suicidal thoughts, um, or even people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They or their families can reach out in a time of crisis. And so um, we're, we're leveraging the knowledge that we have from having had the George Crisis and Access Line in place um, with the 90-day rollout. Um, one thing I would like to say about GCAL, which is our Georgia Crisis and Access Line, is that um, they have answered calls from the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline for a number of years. And the 988 number is an easy way for people to reach that national lifeline um, so when a person calls 988 in Georgia, they're going to be linked to the Georgia Crisis and Access Line um, so that a local state person will be answering those calls for people that call from Georgia. Okay. All right. And is there a cost attached to this service? And if so, who pays for it? So individuals that call the Georgia Crisis and Access Line or 988 never receive a bill for calling the, the, the line. Um, it's funded through a mix of state 
and federal funding. Okay. And um, tell us a little bit about the people who are going to be on the other end of the, the, the phone line. So let's say I have a family member that is in crisis. I decide to pick up the phone and call on their behalf. Um, who do I get on the other end of the line? So when you call 988 uh, or even the Georgia Crisis Nexus line, um, it will be picked up by by clinicians, uh, whether it's a licensed clinician or um, master's or bachelor's level clinicians that can talk to that person or their family member. What they do is they do a, a level of care assessment. So their job is to figure out what's going on with that person and what's the appropriate next step. Um, the Georgia Crisis and Access Line is run by Behavioral Health Link. They're a contractor that the state of Georgia works with, and they're the ones that are answering the calls as opposed to state employees. Um, in addition to their clinical training, they also go through specific training to um, learn how to quickly assess people and triage their needs um, because this work, line of work is pretty unique in our field. So there's a lot of on-the-job training and um, free work training that goes on as well. Okay. And which, of course, leads me into my next question. Um, what are the range of outcomes? Once they triage and assess, um, what are the possibilities for what could happen next to deal with the crisis at hand? So there's a number of different outcomes. Um, the goal obviously is always to serve the person in the most appropriate but least restrictive area of level of care. So um, sometimes people are calling for information or um, just because they're, they're having some emotional distress. And in those types of situations, they might receive a referral to outpatient services um, or just you know a, a level of care assessment and then connection to outpatient treatment services. Um, in some situations, um, that individual is experiencing a situation that it could be a dangerous to them or, or a real challenge. And so in those situations, um, the clinician on the end of the phone might determine the need to dispatch a mobile crisis team to wherever that person is, is at. That can be at their house. Um, sometimes it's schools or different places in the community. Um, but if that's what's needed, then a mobile crisis team would be dispatched and would arrive on scene. Um, we have an expectation that they arrive in about 59 minutes. And so, um, you know, and, and again, that's when it's determined that it's safe for that person to be there waiting for that person to come and, and assess them. And again, well, our mobile crisis services are available statewide 24-7-365. In some cases, the individual really needs an, an assessment at a crisis unit. And so they might be directed to one of our behavioral health crisis centers um, so that they can walk in if, if they can do that and be assessed. And then once they get there, the team at the behavioral health crisis center would determine, again, the, the most appropriate next steps. There are some, some rare situations or, or less common situations where an individual calls 988 
or the Georgia Crisis and Access Line and is in imminent danger. So a person that's actively suicidal, that's starting to engage in, in hurting themselves, or is at imminent risk of hurting other people. And in those um, less common situations, they would the clinician would do what we call active rescue. So they would link them to 911 and have EMS or someone dispatched um, so that we can ensure that that person is safe um, if there's an imminent um, risk of harm to themselves or someone else. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about the mobile crisis teams? Um, what does what do the teams consist of? How many people would you be talking about? Um, can you just describe the composition of that team? Sure. So our mobile crisis teams, um, they always respond in pairs um, for safety reasons as well as for the, the other reasons that I'll explain in a moment. So the team is comprised of a licensed clinician. Um, or an associate licensed clinician that can do an assessment, um, de-escalate the person if possible. But if not possible, then they can turn in next steps, um, talk with the person about um, an inpatient setting or a community crisis setting, if that's what's needed. Um, there's uh, the other person on that team is a, a bachelor's level or um, that type of level clinician or a paraprofessional. Um, in many cases, the second responder, we call it kind of a first responder, second responder model. Um, in many cases, the second responder is a certified peer specialist or somebody with lived experience um, who has been certified to use that experience to help other people um, engage in treatment and give hope about their recovery. So. The teams, as I said, are comprised of two people, um, a master's level or licensed person, and then a, a paraprofessional, which might be a, a certified peer specialist. Okay. And um, you said that they're located throughout the state. So if I'm yes. in Waynesboro, Georgia, uh, you should be able to get Waynesboro, Georgia, or um, you know, Upson County, wherever it is, you should be able to get somebody there. Yes, ma'am. Our services are available statewide, and we have um, contractors in each of our DBHD regions, and their teams are strategically placed throughout that, that part so that they can respond as quickly as possible when people need it. Okay. All right, very good. That's, and has that mobile crisis team structure, has have those always been in place or is that something new? Um, so they've not always been in place, but they've been in place statewide for the better part of the last 10 years, if not more. So they've been around for quite some time. Okay, all right. Um, I was not aware of that. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and with our listeners. So um, again, the range of outcomes that could come from a 988 call, you all could dispatch a mobile crisis team, you could direct somebody to go to a facility that's in the area, um, you try to talk them through the immediate crisis. Did I miss one of those options? No, I, I think you, you covered them. And, and oftentimes it's a linkage to outpatient services if that's what the person needs. Okay, all right. Um, 
and now, you know, many calls, uh, sometimes somebody's having a, a meltdown uh, or they're in crisis and they dial 911 because that's what they're accustomed to dialing, which then results in the police department being dispatched. And we know that many times the police department does not have the staff or resources to deal with mental health issues. You know, they're there to fight crime, you know, and crime may be a small part of it if the person's in crisis and, and could become a danger to somebody else. You know, that technically is a criminal issue. Um, but sometimes the police department just isn't the best uh, to respond to, to a situation. Um, do you believe that this could reduce the number of, uh, possibly reduce the number of, say, inappropriate police attempts to respond to individuals in crisis? I mean, how, how is there any coordination with police? I'm just asking some questions about how all that coordination takes place. Yeah, thank you, Ms. Jackson. That's an excellent question. So um, 988 definitely has the potential to decrease law enforcement interaction with individuals that are experiencing a behavioral health crisis. Um, we have done a lot of work here in Georgia with our partners on the, the 911 side to create protocols and um, collaboration so that if an individual calls 911 and really would be better suited as a 988 call that we can transfer them over. And then that way the individual can be assessed like we've talked about before and have the most appropriate level of care um, dispatched. Um, we definitely see you know, the potential for a decrease in, in those number of law enforcement uh, contacts and in working with our partners in law enforcement, um, they've been excellent partners, but as you mentioned, oftentimes they're short-staffed as well. Um, and, and although they have crisis intervention training, um, they don't have quite the level of training as a licensed clinician would. So um, we're really pleased to be working with them. We'll continue these partnerships so that um, we can make sure that they're as efficient and effective as possible. Um. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about the 988 hotline system? So if I may, I'd, I'd like to draw a bit of a distinction between 988 and 911. So when an individual calls 911, they're connected to a trained um, person at the call center. And oftentimes what happens from there is um, someone is dispatched, be it EMS, fire, or law enforcement for, as appropriate. 988 is a little bit different. So when a person calls 988, they are going to receive an assessment, which is a clinical intervention in and of itself. Um, and based on the outcome of that assessment, that will determine next steps. And so whereas a 911 call, um, the initial part of it might be very short, a 98 call might take a little bit longer because the, the clinician is trying to assess what's happening in that person's life, maybe doing some de-escalation over the phone and then determining next steps. So um, we think of 98 as an intervention in and of itself instead of just dispatching the next intervention. So 
Um, that's all I really have, though, to add. Um, and I really appreciate you taking your time today to speak with me about this exciting new opportunity for people in Georgia and across the country. All right. And, and thank you for that explanation, because the role of local matters to ensure our listeners are informed and engaged and uh, they know what they're getting from the tax dollars that they pay. So I appreciate this. I think one other thing I might want to ask before we close, obviously your office has the lead with this particular project here in Georgia. What other um, crisis management sorts of services does your office provide? So our office oversees the DBHD crisis spectrum. So um, Mr. Wakefield might have spoken a little bit about the DD services. Um, so we work in coordination with the different divisions that serve people that experience crisis. So um, people that experience behavioral health crisis, uh, as well as people that are experiencing a crisis related to a developmental disability. Okay, and those types of crises, just to give an example, you know, what does that include? Um, it, it might include a person that is uh, maybe a person that has autism and becomes overstimulated in the environment and needs some help um, calming down and 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 regaining that sense of stability. Um, so, and, and a lot of it. Um, oftentimes what we say is, is just call, call the Georgia Crisis Nexus line, call 988, and, and we can help figure it out because many people can recognize that a person's experiencing a crisis and may not know why, like what is the cause, what's the trigger, but, but our clinicians in our system can help make that determination and then help to guide them to the next step. All right. Thanks so much for the services that you and your team provide to uh, residents of the state of Georgia. We really appreciate it, uh, it all. Thank you. And thank you for, for bringing this message to your, your listeners. The inspiration for these three episodes on disability and mental health has been our listeners who suggested that I cover this topic. And as always, if there are topics that you are aware of and want to suggest that I delve into, please reach out to me either through Facebook Messenger or through my website. I have a contact us page there and suggest any other topics that you think might be helpful for me to cover to better inform our residents about serious issues. This was also, the series has also been a result of various conversations I've had with people about disabilities and mental illness. I have heard or read stories about parents locking autistic adult children in the basement every night just to get a break. I have heard about families placing children with disabilities in rooms with chicken wire at the door. I have heard about families that are terrified of their own children because their behavior is considered not manageable and unpredictable. These issues might not affect everyone, but the families that are affected have deep and ongoing needs. The rest of us look forward to the day when our children become self-sufficient adults but many parents of children with developmental and intellectual disabilities never have that hope. 
Many of those same family members are also afraid of whether the system can offer their children what they need. Again, the answer for us is to advocate for ourselves and to vote for candidates who understand that these are the issues plaguing hundreds of thousands of Georgians. As we move forward to look at some of our upcoming shows, please join us next week on August 24th. We will learn more about monkeypox, what it is and who needs to be vaccinated. Our guest is someone who is already a member of the Local Matters family, and that is Dr. Lee Merchant, who is director of the East Central Georgia Health District. Also, on the following Wednesday, August 31st, the episode will be devoted to qualifying for Richmond County school board seats, as well as the tax commissioner's race. We'll discuss what offices on the ballot and who you have to choose from. Thanks again for being a part of the Local Matters family and be blessed. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.